This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the live reaction Seattle Overload podcast where the Seahawks have beat the Giants 27-13 in week 8 of the NFL season, and they are now 5-3, first place in the NFC West, and it's amazing. And Griffin, before we came on air, and this is a shocking revelation, but a good one nonetheless, you mentioned you had happy brain chemicals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Do you want to elaborate on that? So that moments ago. Well, when the Seahawks win, apparently my brain um, mm. is good to go for at last about four or five days. And the dread starts creeping in because you're worried that you ponder all the ways they could lose or mess up the following game. Right. On Friday night, Saturday, Saturday morning. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'm feeling good. Maddie, Matthew, Matt, how are you feeling? Matty F, please. No That's one calls name. you Matt. <laughs> I mean, I call no, you Matthew but... when I'm upset with you. I call you Maddie, but no one calls you Matt, do they? Mm. Well, sometimes people call me Matt, and it's quite disarming because I'm like, wow, that's a cool and more normal nickname than Matty. Like, maybe I should go by Matt. There's no and one then to it stop sparks you, dude. an identity crisis, which goes on for like a week. See, because plenty of people will still call you Maddie no matter what. But if you just change your handle to Matt F. Brown for fun, people mm. are just going to call you Matt. It'll be normal. I feel like Matt F is uh, Matt F Brown is definitely a color code on a on like you know you, you go to the, oh, yeah. the shops and get your paints M A T T E yeah for With sure the F, for sure like the F um, is a certain yeah also also because it's your like your um your even though it's your real name it's like your pseudonym pseudonym it's like your stage name Maddie F Brown yeah a star as, talent as a as a media talent, member yeah. but like in in real life in person when you're out in your you go to the grocer or you're, you're about town and you'd be like, hey, I'm Matt. How you doing? Nice to meet you. No, no, I don't do that. 
I I go, hello, I am Matty F. Brown from Twitter. It's an honor to meet you. You, you just run into Matty. fans everywhere. I see. <laughs> anyway, um, we're here to react to the Seahawks winning. We're not here to react to your identity, your assortment of identity crises. Yes. That's for another time. Mm. And they, they um, beat the Giants 27-13, Griffin. Geno yeah. Smith, 23 for th- of 34 for two passing touchdowns. 212 total yards. It could have been more. We will get to that. The defense only allowed 225 total yards, and they registered five sacks. Now, a lot of that yardage came in garbage time, and a lot of the sack total also came in garbage time. Well, not a lot, but like two. Anyway, Griff, you're the stats boy today. (laughs) Do you have further stats to add to this dominant Seahawks victory, which really... It looked like uh, I, I tweeted out um, Brian Dable uh, coaches like he has a voodoo doll on the sideline or something because these games are so weird. Oh, and yeah. and I don't know what's going on. And it was like, are the Seahawks going to somehow lose this when they should be up by like three <laughs> scores? And then they didn't. They they just finished it. So that was right. absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, they they flirted with it being a classic Giants game, but then also like. But like the Seahawks, they've had the same energy in some of their games, like the Saints games and the Lions game, right? It's just they're rebounding now. They, they've got the same like weirdo tendencies, but they're just kind of getting their their ish together. Um, so uh, that's good. Um, but yeah, you wanted some stats. I'm yeah, I'm playing stats boy tonight. Give me all the stats. Um, so yeah, thir- so Geno Smith, as as we have it there on the um. On the graphic, 23 for 34, 212 yards, two touchdowns, 104 pass rating. I don't have his QBR offhand. I can get that, though. Um, but um, like you said, he had some – there were some drops. I mean, he played better than that stat line. Um, they they were um, three for 13 on third downs. And I think that some of the, the drops or the opportunities that they squandered were on third downs, weren't they? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And also, you know, if, if when you get to the red zone numbers, but also in the red zone, it's sort of stalled out right? because they missed the opportunities via. And you know. the other stat of importance were the um, the sacks. Three sacks, which isn't an egregious number, but not a great number either. But I believe all three of them came in the first half. Right. Um, and, you know, you had Austin Blythe out for quite a bit of time. And, of mm-hmm. course... Uh, Don Wink, quote unquote, Martindale is notorious for his pressure and blitz packages, right? And I think two of them were unblocked, right? So, yes, the- and and um, I think neither of them were on Geno Smith in terms of you know, you go re- review the film and you go, oh, quarterback, you you need to throw hot off this, but you can as a quarterback point out, hey, this guy's coming to let your running back 100% know. You can also get to the line of scrimmage quicker, which isn't just on the quarterbacks, on the play cooler. And they, they did feel they were snapping it at one a lot, which wasn't the case of undressing blitzes, mm. but it was more the case of we're taking a bit too long. And, um, but yeah, I mean, really the Travis Homer, like Mark Sanchez, I thought did a good job again in yeah. the booth and yeah, like, just did. sort of explaining football succinctly and accurately and in the moment. And he put that on Homer, and it, I mean, it looked like it was on Homer, right? Like he's not even looking yeah. there. The guy did a good job disguising as though he's in man coverage. 
Then he comes along and, oh dear, um, Gino gets whacked. Right. Did well to hold on to that football. Yeah, he did. And the fact that they didn't give any sacks up in the second half kind of demonstrates their, the adjustments they made um, and the ability to stay organized for it. So, um, yeah, this offense is – they've had complete games for sure. But they definitely – if they have – in the games where they've been kind of lopsided – you know, at first it was they come out the gate hot and then they have poor second halves. But the fact that they can bounce back after a rough first half, you know, like the, the Cardinals game. Then Different this ways game, to win. Yeah, I mean, like they've got fight in them and they're, they're not a one trick or two trick pony. They've got multiple tricks um, that they've trained their pony Gallops to be able to execute. And, Gallops and uh, canters. Um, equestrian moves which again if 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 any of our the equestrian sect of our audience wants to chime in with some more details Mm. on the types of um gates from horse related species factions sect portions lobby i'm feeling a bit of pressure personally um yeah yeah okay so the the other uncharacteristic uh, well, not well. Very uncharacteristic errors from this person, but the kind of weird funk of the offense was Tyler Lockett's game until his touchdown catch, which was excellent. And that's a sublime drive that I'd like to speak to. But while we're on the topic of errors, Lockett fumbles it um, in a really weird way, sort of like he was a. I mean, he's been uh, trying to protect himself from contact for a while, and he's sort of in the, going into his usual sort of cradle position as he was tackled, and the ball comes loose, gives up the ball at the two-yard line. To that point, the Seahawks' defense had basically been pitching a shutout, and unfortunately, that removed the shutout because, you know, two-yard line's tough to get the stop, mm-hmm. right? Right, for sure. And so that sucked. <laughs> and then Lockett has the, the drop touchdown where... For the record... I agree that it sucked. <laughs> wow. B- bold, bold cutting opinions here. Yes. Um, and then he has the drop touchdown, which, again, that sucked too. G- Griff, are you in agreement there? Yep. Phew. yep. Keep going. Yeah. It would be really bad if we fell out live. Um, yes. And then and then he redeems himself. But, yeah, he the did. offense was sort of getting in his way. But should we talk about a redemption? Because that was... One heck of a drive, and I, I tweet. I said earlier in the game, I'll stop saying that I tweeted. But you can follow me on Twitter at Matty F Brown. You can follow Griffin on Twitter at C Mike's Spin Move. I tweeted earlier in the game. It was weird how they were kind of running um, so much on early downs. I'm interested to see how that shakes out. Now, over the whole season, of course, they've been like 60% um, in neutral situations, early down pass rate. Correct. Yeah, well, I mean, this game they they did open fairly pass heavy though. They did. I, maybe, I felt maybe, like they were running on on. I think they had down. a couple of run heavy drives. Right. I think that's because so it's kind of an illusion because they they started the year win and under center. They started the year passing a lot in under center, but they gradually did. over the past few weeks, when they've been in under center, they've been running more within that formation. So mm-hmm. when you don't see a lot of under center play actions, it kind of gives the illusion that they're being super run heavy, even when they're not, because they're just spending more snaps and gun and pistol. And they're just saying like, Gino, just go be a drop back passer and just get it to him, which he Cop does for up. the most part. So it, it, it gives an illusion of it. But that said, their early down pass rate through the first three quarters was like 65% this game. Okay. Well, 
that shows them anecdotally i'm a very unreliable person but anyway same because i was like oh this probably feels like a 55 45 game 50 50 game maybe even Mm. and i checked it and i was like oh wow um they're actually passing a lot so it's just it's the under center runs yeah but regardless that drive where it's like okay we're sort of it's a one score game only three point lead and then they open uh, five. They go, they go five passes down the field. They, they mix in a bit of tempo. They throw it off cornerbacks. Um, Gino said it, that that it was a lot of cover zero in the get the game in general. And I think one of them was a cover zero beater. He said he, they got like twenty plus snaps of cover zero, which again is what you get with uh, Don Wink Martindale. Indeed. But um, it is Don, right? Don, yeah. Yeah, Don. Um. That's so cool having the name Don and then going, now nah, you know what? That's that's a cool name, but I'm gonna go by Wink. Like, yeah. He's kind of aced it there. Good job. Anyway. Well, it gives drives... him some flexibility because in some circles he can go by Don, and I'm sure it works. In other circles, you know, Wink. And I'm sure that that's done a lot for him. And the, even know? Coach Martindale. I mean, Martindale's a great surname. That's yeah. No, very distinguished. He's got the trifecta. Yeah. And he's got good blitz packages. So yeah, I mean, he's got a lot. He's got a he's got a lot of good packages going for him. There you go. Name so, and blitz. The drive where they go five straight passes. Um, that was Buller, and it ends with the double move to lock it after they've sucked up the cornerbacks yeah. and they've hit it underneath, and they're like, "We'll throw another hitch or comeback or something at you. Are you gonna do anything?" And then psych, and yeah. it was cool after the game. Gino described how Lockett saw the corner was playing squat technique on him. So it gave Gino a hand signal for their double move play, for a double move play they have. And Gino was like, yep. And then perfect throw, beautiful spiral. Yeah. And Lockett catches the touchdown, redemption. Seahawks step on the throats and all's well that ends well. Yeah. The So on that on that note, you know, the, the, the deep balls, especially down the sideline, they are happening so frequently now that I'm no longer like, remarking like oh my gosh are they going to be can they access the sideline now like it's just something you are no longer surprised by it's just the thing that it's just out of the concern you've moved out of the concern it's just a thing that they do it's just a thing that they do now yeah um they've done it to dk to goodwin and tyler lockett so um and again if you go back to the west virginia stuff gino could sling it deep oh yeah you yeah. could sling it deep, so it, it's it's very cool. Yeah, very very as, cool. Especially as the protection, you know, part of it is that you know we're so used to those those deep side sideline balls coming in a certain way, right? With Russell Wilson for so long, so this is you the move out of ball. right, you move out of that world into something kind of a little bit more conventional, you know, when and how they come and what they look like, but it's just hit him when, when you do when you do sling it out there hit him and he's i mean he was perfect today throwing those sideline balls you know so um yeah good stuff so i want to talk about like this being a big victory in terms of like pete carroll's post-game press conference because he was exuberant i mean yeah they're top of the nfc west i think there's a good vibe around the team but like pete is saying uh, on the Seahawks play style, look at how we're playing. We look like how we used to look, referring back to the Legion of Boom era. And the stadium is rocking like it used to rock. And we're playing the kind of football that gives us the chance to win every time we go out, which, I mean, that's 
I don't think he felt they were doing that in 2021, for instance. Um, 20, he also said on the 2022 Seahawks, it's happening and I'm really excited about it. We're just getting warmed up. We're right in the middle of it all and we've got a long ways to go. Um, exciting. And then he called out the haters. <laughs> he, he went even further than, than other comments and he said... Uh, all the people that doubt like you, referring to Greg Bell, who uh, it was because Greg asked the question, but I think he was sort of joking with all the reporters in the room. He said, uh, it's like, like you, you're losing it. You know, we run the ball too much. You know, we don't understand football. You know, you can't stay up with a new game and all that kind of stuff. That's a bunch of crap. I'm telling you, because look, we're doing fine. We're all right. So I don't mind proving it day in and day yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. And yeah. the vibes around the team are very, very positive. Yeah, and winning does that. But it's th this team definitely has its own special character to it. That even if they keep say ninety nine percent of the roster for next year, the, they'll they'll take on like a different form, a different mentality, right? Like yeah. th th this 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 year for this team, with how they got to this point, will definitely be its own thing. And something you probably can't relive, you know? Um, yeah, Pete described like, them as special, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, it's cool. Like they've they they've rallied around Gino, but then Gino's also clearly not someone that needs rallied around per se. So it's like he's giving that energy right back, and uh, like you see him on the sideline. Like like not to infer too much because I'm sure we have no idea what the dynamics of the relationships are because we can't hear what they're saying. We don't know what they do during the work week, you know, and like we can't hear the conversations most of them anyway. But just from what we can observe on the sideline, like he's clearly like a a hardened vet quarterback presence who can talk up the whole sideline. You can like, tell that they're they buy into his, it, you know. His conversation with um D. Eskridge and Gino referenced that after in his press conference as well, where he he says how he, you know, D takes things really hard and he wants to be right. And I, I actually wonder, you know, if there's a uh, element of him trying too hard at times, which would explain yeah. some of his errors, right? You know, trying to force right. it a bit too much and not being loose out there. But Gino says about being that guy who, you know, was supporting D and, and talking him through it. He also went over to Tyler Lockett after Lockett's drop. And yeah, I, I think that speaks to that. And Carol described Gino as the real deal in his post-game press conference. And you can't really argue with that. I mean, this should have been... I mean, we've already said it, but this should have been like a three, possibly four touchdown game for Gino. I know yeah. football's full of if, buts, and maybes, but this was a very... Well, uh, not if, buts, and maybes. That's not how the saying goes. Sorry to cut you off. The oh, saying oh, goes, no, if no, you remember. No. Yeah, fine. If, if, and buts were candied nuts, we'd all be snacking like kings. That's how everyone says it. Mm. Maybe they do it differently in England, but here, that's what people say. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 fine, fine. Um, absolutely necessary. Thank you. And sure. So let's talk about the defense, Griff, because the defense stopped the run for the most part, right? Yeah. We'll delve into the tape on Thursday or if you listen Friday. But look like a similar approach to what they've been doing. Looks like they've sort of found their base early down approach and sort of settled mm -hmm. into that. Didn't feel like they blitzed at all, like in terms of sending additional rushes. But I did see, you know, occasional, you know, bonus fire zone stuff. But mm -hmm. the standout performance is Uchenna Nuosu, who 
what an off-season addition. Um, yeah. Two sacks today. Uh, disruptive, though, in the run game, particularly. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You, you're the stat boy. Did he have any tackles for loss? Um, I think he cover- had. I think he had two. Um, there you go. And he also I, covered Saquon Barkley on a wheel route, at, like looking real comfortable. Uh, and uh, yeah, just um, uh, and he's playing a lot of snaps. Like it's what an odd. Uh, I was I I said um he could be like a top five. When it's all said and done, a top five free agency addition from Schneider and Carroll because, I mean, price has to be factored in. Unbelievable yeah. stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, they're they're now like when they signed him, I thought, well, you are probably getting exactly what you paid for. Like he played like a, you know, with, with the way the market is, the edge and stuff, he played like a ten million dollar per year player at in LA, which is a high quality player, right? Not elite, not Pro Bowl, but like high quality. Um, and he's out playing that right now, like, you know, in, in all levels. Um, yeah, the fact that you saw him running down the sideline, that's probably will be something we really dive into on the tape podcast. But like Dable knew like, OK, I, I, when they're when if we find the quarter side and we figure them out formationally, which he did, he we're going to isolate that, yeah. that, that quarter flat defender. We're going to work it. And he got the looks he wanted, but mm-hmm. just whether it was Maffei or Nuosu, they were covering it up. Um, so he's just playing great. And I think generally generally for the entire defensive line, everyone at this point for the three weeks running is a contributor. Everyone's contributing. Puna Ford is back to like the version of him that we know. Brian Mona is looking a lot more like 2020 Brian Mona, not 2021 Brian Mona, who was still a good player, but 2020 was like, he looks like Al Woods. And now he's playing like Al Woods is playing. Al Woods played a good game. Quentin Jefferson is a lot stouter against the run. And the fact that they've weaponized him a little bit against the run, he can get up field but still play, you know, disciplined, right? Striking that balance. Bruce Irvin stepped in for Daryl Taylor and he was doing things, you know. Um, so uh, they've, it's the, the tweaks they've made have really maximized everyone. And they don't have, even though Nwosu is like, uh, next gen stats said something like he he has like the most volume pressures, the most total right. pressures. I'm still not going to say he's like a tier one or even, even tier two edge. He's probably a tier three. You know, mm-hmm. if you if if you think about how many guys there are, that's well, still really also, high praise. There's a quality of pressure, right? Like I think a lot of his for stuff, sure. Not not to I mean, don't get it twisted. I just said he could when it's all said and done be a top five addition. I do think quite a few of the pressures will be ones where. It's an inside flush move, um, or you know he's he's running like kind of the subjective. inside part of a game, and then it's highly subjective. Yeah, and yeah. now he's in the conversation. He will start getting more and more of those, and so we'll we'll see. But 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 sure. the encouraging thing is like, guys, <laughs> yeah, get, he he should be in the Pro Bowl discussion. Yeah, so, yeah, no, he should be. Like, he should be. And I'm kind of undoing my point, but like it's cool that they don't have a single guy on the line that you would consider just, you know, a, an overwhelming talent, right? Like a true blue chip, but they've got like five or six guys that are, have high level impact still. So it's a very cool ensemble group with a cool blend of different skill sets. So um, yeah. like and, Shelby Harris is getting interior pressure, you know, Quentin Jefferson. And, getting, yeah. and um, Cesar Castillo in the comments, they, they correctly point out Bruce Irvin made some great plays. Yep. Uh, T- Daryl Taylor left with a um, hip injury uh, on top of he was already dealing with a groin injury. 
And then, yeah, the fact that Irvin's coming again, he's getting chipped in pass pro. Like, <laughs> Bruce Irvin's getting chipped in pass pro. 35-year-old Bruce Irvin, what, was on the street three years, uh, three weeks ago, two mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Like, And he's come in, he can set an edge, he's reliable enough. Yeah, he had a bad missed tackle on Daniel Jones, but, like, he's doing a job. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's all it's all fitting together, and then on and then on the back end, Griff, like Mike Jackson. Okay, he gave up one catch, but that was a good beater. Talk, you know, you spoke about how Dable found ways to isolate the quarter flat player on the defensive line, but also on the back end, if it was the quarter flat player being like a Ryan Neal in dime, he you know he had one good beater, and Seattle got let off on a post wheel kind of beater to what I think was quarters as well. But other than that, Mike Jackson was sticky. He was hitting dudes in cover two. Uh, he was rallying down. He was showing all the things that he showed in the preseason in terms of like his ability to, from a pedal to then break down hill yeah. burst and twitch and his ability to uh, be in phase over the top, not not not, not get too much depth and in his cushion. But also the physicality, which he showed in the preseason. But now it seems, and okay, the Giants aren't exactly a gauntlet of wide receivers. But, you know, for him, it's kind of three weeks running, right? Like, he's stacking yeah. reps. He's putting things together. It's, it's coming together. I think he's come to the first string kind of speed and adjustment yeah. that was needed. Because which... he... Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he's a four four guy. Like he has real speed, and I think the reason why yeah. it looks like he's playing faster is, like you said, he's stacking reps. But like, w- w- what might that mean in a in a on a literal like what is on a literal standpoint? What does that actually translate to stacking reps? He's trusting his eyes more um, when re- re- reading the top of the route, and then from that, trusting his speed, which lets him trust his eyes more to go make the play. Like he's. He's contesting stuff. He's contesting routes that break. And then he's not giving up anything down this. Like he's covering the fade and the go, which is priority number one, right? For a, a quarter or cover three corner when you're playing the quarter side, right? Um, or you're in cover three, you, you have to you have to clamp down on the go ball. He's doing that. And he's pretty much been doing that, right? Um, and, but then now he is becoming more competitive when the routes break. In, you know, on whether it's a comeback or an inbreaker or an outbreaker, you know, um, and that's where that's when you start to become a difference maker mm. at corner. It really felt like um, overall the Giants didn't really get anything on offense except for like a string of third downs on two drives in the fourth quarter. Yeah, how, did they, how were their third down numbers, Griff? They were six for 16 um, on the day, which really it felt a lot worse than that. But I think that's because they I started the game time. off. Garbage, yeah, probably garbage time. They started the game off one for six, and then they had they had some. They definitely had some plays where they were giving them up, where they were over defending, probably deep the explosive play. Um, you had Neil on the one crosser on the the shallow cross. Then you had the one on Woolen, where it just as easily could have been an interception. And then the oh one yeah, was, that was that was freaky. Yeah, that yeah. was a moment where I was like, um. Is this happening? Uh, right, and then uh, there was the one doing something. I think I think this is the one you referenced. But they had that one inbreaker, and I wondered if Kobe Kobe didn't read the right like outside route. Um, mm. it, so I don't know what happened there. 
that, that, that was the main one I wanted to know because that one felt like a bust, whereas the other ones were like uh, one-on-one situations and, and tight spots. And Yeah. So the, the, the other thing with the secondary, and we've, we've spoke about it before, but it's worth re-emphasizing, is the rush and the coverage is working together and vice versa. And I think yeah. there's more of an understanding of how it all fits together amongst the players. And again, Carol mentioned, like, the players are doing this. Like, they've sort of brought in together. Diggs kind of mentioned in his uh, post-game presser as well, similar kind of stuff of how they're all, they're all sort of meshing together well. And yeah. that is showing up. And like, if you know that, you know, you have to cover for this long and then your rush is probably going to do this, you know, you sort of understand that, then you can cover in a different way. And the the other thing, you know, the fact that they just, they just sat in four-man rush, I, 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 well, and so they were fine. They and were... The, the being at home, like with it rocking, and like, there's a reliable center point and... If if they're if the center's pointing out the mic each time, then the defensive line knows which side they're sliding to. Um, and then and the reason they have to point out the mic each time is because it's so loud. And when you know that, you know which side the one on ones are. And when you know which side the one on ones are for your pass rush, you know which side you can run games, which like a slant flat or rub combination downfield against man to man coverage. You can run games which separate against man pass protection, which what Seattle did. Like on Nwosu's, uh second sack, uh, he was running the inside pick against the man uh, man pass protection when they slid the other way from that. So, agreed. Great stuff. Agreed. Yeah, really good stuff. And further to your point about um, uh, the, the prevalence of four man rushes, not setting pressure. It's that's almost more telling for the run defense than it is the pass rush because they're playing a, a quarterback running team with Saquon Barkley and they're playing a lot of odd spacing, right? So the fact that they didn't feel the need to send fire zones or five man rushes, not for pass rush purposes, but for run defense purposes means that they have the one, the performance within their base calls, but then the flexibility within, you know, the, the fronts that they move in and out of just to mm. handle it, to handle the, 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 the C-gap yeah. problems, the D-gap problems, the alley problems, right? In the personnel, like you said, because it's it's like they've got they've got the the 515, the 335, and the 4 two, or 245 personnel packages. And they're really finding their beats of when they weave in and out of it to get the right matchups that they want on the back end while still staying, staying sound up front and giving your four-man rush as much of a chance as possible. And it's like they've just struck the perfect balance. They're being exactly who they want to be. And like sending sending pressure is a for a team that isn't a blitz-heavy team, like it's not their identity, sending pressure is a fantastic tool to smooth out problems and as a change-up call, right? That's something that they did last year to great effect, especially like the second half of 2020. Ken Norton Jr. is like, if I got a problem, I'm going to send five, and it's not necessarily for pass rush. It solves like three different things at a time. Right now, they have the guys where they don't feel like they need to do that. Um, also, yeah. it was really we um, we saw some I think where they played bear, but they won. I felt like they had a urgency to have Cody Barton and Neil and and Bryant out on the field at the same time. And it's hard for them to run that and stay flexible in the coverages that they want to run. So I think that they combine cover three in nickel with them in bear as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think that's where we saw some of the, um, you know, like the the three three five again. Um, right. That had right. a prevalence, but I think that the they they were wanting they want the versatility that they have because it's their most versatile back seven. I think when they have mm-hmm. two inside linebackers and both Neil and Brian out there. Yep. So I'm really yep. curious to see what story the tape tells there. Because um, so, yeah. the special teams deserves a mention now. Oh, real quick, Cesar Castillo in the chat again. Great stuff. Apparently, three of the six third-down conversions the Seahawks defense allowed came on one drive, which only ended in three points. So that's cool. I agree, Cesar. That is very cool. Indeed. So, special teams, let's go. They had a bit of an issue on uh, the left side of the punt, especially when they they punt coverage, when they're punting to the left, like the near side, it ended up being uh but then one of them came back on a penalty i think a bit of an over over exuberance perhaps from i think it was joey blunt on that side uh but anyway they they got two turnovers two takeaways and they also uh managed to hit a field goal from 35 yards that got tipped which was incredible which myers must have absolutely blasted that football yeah. Yeah. Um, Come on, give me a special teams analysis. <laughs> yeah, because that's something I really play close attention to. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Myers is a good kicker. This is an up year for him. Uh, he's, he, he's hitting everything. Even when he misses, he makes it, apparently, um, which is very good. Um, the The coverage units were really good, too. The, the they kick, were. They I think flying. there was maybe... One one around that got away from a little bit was that the one that got called back. Um, I mean, every so you, Pete Carroll talked about how we're the fastest we've ever been. Like he has emphasized special teams. He's even mentioned Joey Blunt. Um, everyone was flying out. Even Will Disley was getting in on the action. So yeah, he to had that the, the force fumble. On on that point about sort of special team speed, did you see the next gen stats GPS tracking? I did not. Oh my word. Um, Blunt and Xavier Coleman, who'd been called up to play special teams, they both almost hit 23 miles per hour on kickoff coverage against the Chargers last week. That's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're flowing out there. Um, very, very cool. Griff, what other stats stand out to you? Um, stats what other sorry, sorry, stats? What boy. other stats stood out to me? Um, we didn't talk about. Kenneth Ken Walker, oh. 18 carries for 51 yards, not the most fantastic of averages. The run blocking actually didn't do the, the, the offensive line played well in the second half, especially, but the run blocking wasn't really there. Um, and but, if it's cover zero, then sure, you know, it's hard. I mean, you're, you're running into a stack box a lot of the time. Um, but uh, Walker had some great runs. Um, like he had a lot of those impressive one, two, three yard runs, right? Where it looked like it should have been a yeah, TFL. Yeah. And there but was then, a few where they just got a shoestring and it was like, this is going for this going to the house. Right. Like right. maybe two or three. There, there was a lot of last ditch tackles where on another day you feel, you know, one of them, two of them, and then it's very looks very different, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of like the opposite of Seattle defending the 49ers this earlier this year where 
if they had made their last ditch t- tackles in that, that game, the averages look a lot different. Um, but I digress mm. and I progress the, to the, back the, to Kenny the Walker's place touchdown in the run. NFC West 49ers. That is true. Yeah. Um, but that touchdown run was cool because I mean, when he lot, when he got tripped up and he lost his balance, when that, when the, then he got contacted by the defender. I thought for sure he was going down and, um, Sure enough, he didn't. He he stayed on his feet. I was like, I thought any glancing contact would have he would be on the he ground. He seems to be able to adjust his body like re- to really quick moments so so perfectly. Yeah, he just capitalizes. It's like uh, I don't know. I don't know what to liken it to. It's like he an elite ca- running back. Yeah, it matters. There we go. Like a like a top fifty uh, pick running back. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I like it when running backs that play for the so, team that I root for. When, when he cut that run back, Griff, was that a, um, it was kind of a U shape, right? Cause he's running right. And then he, he like, he like bends it round to the left. No, real, real nice try. no, no, no. It was more like, oh, a, it was more oh. like a curved L. No, not a U turn when I say it. I not get it. U-turn. No, I get it. Yep. 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 That's a shame. Yeah. Yep. So also, Austin Blythe left the game with a what Carol described after the game as a sprained knee. Carl Fuller came in and I didn't really notice. So I think Carl Fuller did a, a good, good job. You good know, job he, for him. he was playing better in preseason this year. But I yes, and that, that was the thing that was commented on. But, um, you know, you don't make too much of it because Blythe is supposed to be the guy and you're don't know how to perceive preseason play always right especially when you've got regular season tape to evaluate but like i guess he is improved which isn't crazy he's a younger player um and also to the point about how they didn't have any second half snack sacks hmm. that is a huge credit to fuller handling the communications aspect yes. of it and the duties of the center now, so now blythe did come back into the game i need i'm not sure at what point yeah true i don't have the snap counts in I'm looking for the snap them, but counts I have not been published yet. But yeah, and then other injury updates. Carol thinks that Lockett and Metcalf exited the game fine. Obviously, Lockett was dealing with a oblique kind of deal, which flared up on, on Thursday, and uh, Metcalf was <laughs> playing through a partial patella tendon tear with superimposed tendinopathy, as it was described to me on Monday. So that's kind of crazy. And he he didn't shy away from contact. He ran through people. He looked fine. I mean, it's scary to think he's playing through that. But obviously, we're not doctors. We're not privy to the information they are. And he came out of it fine. So they got they got away of it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And and so ultimately, I mean, what what would the what would the receiving uh like catching breakdowns we it have, felt like a pretty typical game for for the targets and the, like how it spread out because i expected the tight ends not that i wrote a that article on the tight ends being a massive piece and even more important but oddly enough they didn't have a lot of tight end usage this game which you oh, think maybe so go. maybe i know maybe nothing a, i'm just clueless well although yes. that's maybe the tape will show that that the giants were expecting that in Seattle adjusted. But anyway, Tyler Lockett, five for eight, 63 yards. 
Um, DK Metcalf, 10, six catches on 10 targets, 55 yards. Marquise Goodwin, five targets, four catches, 33 yards. Um, and then Fant and Disley had two apiece, and Colby just the one. There you Eskridge, go. two, Walker, two. Um, and Lockett should have been one. like over 100 as well. So he, he Yeah, the, the, it was a game that supported a 100-yard game for him. And DK himself probably would have had 70 if he caught that corner route um, on that third and 10, which could have been called for DPI, but that that same situation goes uncalled probably more often than not. So, um, But yeah, uh, even though Goodwin dropped that, that touchdown that was followed up by the two fourth downs and the, and the touchdown, I think to DK on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he is still getting open and separating is a really good sign. I mean, he's, there's a lot more to him than like a hundred percent. He has not, juice, like yeah. maybe 32, but he has legs still like he can yeah. run and he still he has his trademark too. speed. Yeah. And yeah, very clean yeah. Uh, route runner. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm saying that was is... unfortunate. I, I don't know why it went through his hands. I feel like maybe, you know, the defender was fairly tight. Like he was open, but he's fairly tight. Yeah. So maybe like just a flash of a glove trying to swat it would just put him off. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder. Um, and also like Tyler, the one that he dropped where it hit his helmet. And then the yeah. one where, where DK, where he got his arm pinned, but he still got his other hand in there at the end. Right. I wondered if there is something, some comment like, was the rain affecting how they were tracking the ball? I don't know. I feel it was like raining? It's just, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm totally, maybe it's just randomness and I'm making all this up. Well, the problem is as well, because of my internet issues, I, I was watching this on like, it was like 360 pixels. So um, that's awful. Uh, yeah. But does the piece, it can't stand for pixels. I think I mean, you know, like 1080p, that can't be yeah. pixels. Is it pixels? Uh, a computer generators, computer. No, what? What's the word I'm looking for? The computer engineers mm. uh, section of our audience. Go ahead and leave a comment in the chat. <laughs> Tell the us sex. what the P stands for. Um, when you go on YouTube thing... and you adjust the quality from 240 to 480 to 720 to 1080. Tell us what that yes. P means. And then I can truly understand that I was watching on a, a granular, uh, often granular uh, video. But perhaps it was grain, grainy, it did, granular. Yes, could have been. But anyway, I'll you turn I, on that one. I didn't like that one. Um, but anyway, it did clear up for um, that beautiful Geno pass against cover zero to Tyler Lockett where Lockett couldn't quite get his second foot in bounds. But that, again, was another near connection on uh, second and long, which, you know, now that's incomplete, and they didn't have a zero beater other than that deep pass. Now that fell incomplete, then it's third and long, and it's difficult. But that, on another day, you know, they're, clo- they're really close to uh, having a go-off game again, I'd say. It wasn't quite, and it, I mean, this should have been. I mean, 27-13. What was your score prediction? I can't remember. Um, we can we can watch it back. Uh, okay, wait. We have an answer. Ryan Winkleman. He, no, he's just googled that. Oh, yeah. Wikipedia. No, no. no we says, don't accept. No, no. You can't trust Wikipedia. Anyone? No, 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 no. He's got no, 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 no. 
<laughs> no, this is good. 1080p is a set of HD TV high definition video modes characterized by 1920 pixels displayed across the screen horizontally mm. and 1080 pixels down the screen vertically. The piece so, sorry, sorry, to interrupt, progressive sorry to interrupt. scan. Okay. So it is progressive. Yeah, but 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 the thing is, I the the bit before the the P stands for progressive scan had me really hopeful that the P would stand for pixels because there's lots of pixel talk, you know. Right. No, it is confusing for sure. Someone who's not, you know, well versed in. Yeah. In, uh, imagine imagine technology. not being well versed in that. We're so well versed now, thanks to Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, what was your score prediction before? Because I think I said it was a lot to a little. And it should have been thirty one seven. It should have been thirty one seven. That's Again. funny. I think I said something <laughs> like I think I said something like uh twenty four twenty four twenty. Did I say that? Hmm. I don't Possibly. know. Possibly. Possibly. Someone called me Matty Beebs in the chat. I do need to get a haircut. If you like the video, I can I can get a haircut. That's that's my promise. I'll be looking sharp. That's not a uh, Bieber haircut. And Cesar said that I was being mean about Wikipedia. I mean, yes, but I, that's because I think I'm one of my articles is cited on there uh, underneath the Seahawks cover three defense. So, you is know, they've really? got a problem. That's cool. <laughs> no, it's not cool. Need more stringent checks. Anyway, any other news, Griffin? Any other things to deal with before we hop off? Um,. No. The Seahawks Rams offense is broken, so that's good news. Seahawks play the Cardinals next week. Who uh did they win today? Cardinals lost. They're three and five. That's a shame. So Damn. the Seahawks really need to win again. Yes. How many wins takes the division? Ten. I think it might be eleven. Nine. I think the Niners will squeak their way to 10 wins. Yeah, that's what the 49ers are good. Right. And McCaffrey's and, giving them a little boost. Yeah. Um, like the defense is mortal in that they give up a bunch of points to the, the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. The Chiefs are so immortal. I, I expect the, the 49ers to, you know, give any offense other than the Chiefs and maybe the Bills a hard time. Um so I feel like, and you know, Shanahan's still Shanahan. They might have a stinker game every once in a while with Jimmy, but they're today was a very efficient game. So I feel like they're going to go 10 and seven. So Seahawks need to either go 10 and seven and win a tiebreaker or win 11 games. Tiebreaker. We miss you, Ty. That's true. <laughs> we miss Ty. See, um, he would have had that information. He would have known exactly what the tiebreakers would would be right now. As I said, the Seahawks play five of their last seven games at home. So let's go. And good news, I, uh, I've i been credentialed to go uh, to the Seahawks Munich game. So we will have more overload content about that and also on my Substack Seahawks on tape. So that's exciting when it comes. But first, the Cardinals and... If you're watching this video, please like it, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, please give us a five-star review, download it, subscribe, get it in your feed, recommend it to friends, family, all that good stuff. 
you've uh, I don't know where where did you last visit Griff? Like cafe? Did you go to a restaurant? Did you go to uh, Trader Joe's? <laughs> I went to a pharmacy actually. Re- recommend it to your pharmacist because pharmacists like that must be quite a dull job because you're literally this is so ignorant. I, this is not understanding what pharmacists do, but I imagine you're just getting people's prescriptions ready all day. So you could definitely listen to a podcast, right? Yeah, but they're also understaffed right now. Oh, so they're probably no, so busy they can't. They can't. They're um, they're probably they're just trying to, to get customers not not have them scream at them. <laughs> but they could drown the screaming out by listening to Seattle Overload. Do you see my That's point? True. That's true. Yes. Anyway, so we've established that the Seahawks are good. They are the good. The offense is for real, albeit mortal it's not immortal but it's still good no yet, no yet. and not yet mortal or not yet immortal not yet immortal but the trade for um <laughs> insert receiver <laughs> oh yeah i'm trying to yeah. indulge you Be yeah indulged. so i'm no longer saying we have to trade for brandon cooks or elijah oh, Moore why? Or Darren Waller. Why? i'm why? only saying it would help it would be good that's quite wishy-washy. So Elijah Moore was also really like pissed off today. He's these. Did you see the quote after the did, Jets was game? Was he like, "See, my spin move is right. Seattle should trade for me." Yeah, but right after he said that, he said oh, that right. they asked him, "Do you have any? Do you have chemistry issues with with uh, your quarterback Zach Wilson?" He was like, "I don't know. I only got targeted once today, so I don't know." That's Get him point. out of there, Salah. Like, even if it's on him, even if he's the the reason for it, which I don't think he is. Come on, John, send him a third, send him a second. You got you got two and a half more seasons of, of rookie control. Mm-hmm. Just D. Eskridge is discarded. Yeah, not necessarily though. How, because how isn't what is Elijah Moore like? What type of player? He's Brandon Cooks. He's Brandon okay. Cooks. He's going so to be he, Brandon Cooks. So he's more is he he's more outside than inside. He can do it all. I mean, you you can do the thing where you where you reduce him. He's the outside receiver, but he's reduced. The mm-hmm. thing is, he he attacks the ball in the air for a guy that is five nine, and he can run every route. In breakers, outbreak against zone, against man. He's I mean, he's so I'm he's surprised. what Diaz is going to be when he stops trying so hard. He's what you could only hope the Eskridge could be, and I think he just has more tools. I like Eskridge. I, I mean, in that I Doesn't haven't written like him it. off. No I haven't written have. him off. You're um, trying to trade for a receiver. Elijah Moore is is so similar to Brandon Cooks. It's amazing that Sean McVay hasn't coughed up whatever is necessary to go get him. Okay. I'm surprised I, that hasn't happened. Already. I don't know why. I don't know why I went down this uh, this rabbit hole. Anyway. I'm sure we'll be going down more rabbit holes. So the Seahawks are good. Offense is good, albeit missing Elijah Moore. The defense, three games in a row of being good. I'm trying to end the podcast, Griff. So was I. Sorry. Oh.